I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. What's up, Dr. Manning? I'm actually on a very, very busy hospital service. Yeah. We've been capped pretty much the whole two weeks that I've been there, but I'm having such a good time. Mm. Yeah. It seems like you were just on the inpatient service. Because I was just on the inpatient service. (laughs) (laughs) But Grady is just such a dope place to work. Today, I did rock, paper, and scissors with this patient. He was trying to get me to go and get him an apple juice out of the cabinet. I was like, man, I'm uh, going to go ask somebody to get you that. He was like, (laughs) I tell you what, I tell you what, let's do rock, paper, scissors. And if you lose, um, you got to go get my juice. And so we play rock, paper, scissors, and I won. And you won. So you didn't get the juice. Nope. Okay. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, a, a deal Because a deal is a deal. Yeah, I mean, that's real. And he was low-key cheating a little bit because he was doing a little thing where he tried to hit it like a little late, rock, mm-hmm. paper, scissors, shooting. He would like shoot a little <laughs> late. And then he tried to hit me with the best, best three out of five. I'm like, nah, mm. bro. Um, well, shout out to the Gold Foundation. I saw that you were the MC or host of the event. Yes, I was the MC. I am a proud board member of the Arnold P. Gold Foundation, um, keeping it human. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, that was really cool. And actually, as you know, I'm on the hospital service. So I came to work, I rounded with my team, we got all our patients tucked in a colleague backed me up while I took an Uber straight to Atlanta Hartsville Jackson Airport, flew to New York City, got to the hotel, at 530, mm. your girl switched into her cocktail dress, did a three-minute plank because me and Shanta Zimmer, who is one of the deans at University of Colorado, have plank wars going on right now. We do a three-minute plank every day. Wow. And I did do my three-minute plank in my cocktail dress low-key. I just want you to know that. Wow. You just had to put that out there. Okay. Yeah. And if we had show notes, I will put it in the show notes, but we don't have those. <laughs> um, and then I went straight over to the event, which started at 6.30 and it was awesome. And then I went back to my hotel room, which was a walk. Yeah. And I, and I flew straight back to Atlanta, got into the airport, Ubered in, and I went straight to rounds. Wow. That's me dropping the mic. Okay. We see you, sis. I saw the photos. You were wearing that dress and them shoes. My feet were hurting though. I lie. <laughs> that's how you know you a G though. If you if your feet hurt, but you don't look like your feet hurt, mm-hmm. that's when you've arrived, sis. Mm, okay. I won't get there, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, but this is one more random thing. If you tape your second and third toe together before you put on heels. It redistributes your weight on your shoe and you can, you can last in high heels longer. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to need our listeners to uh, field test this and let us know if what she says is accurate. If you had had me take my shoe off, you would have seen my two toes taped together. It does work. Yeah. In a one. So I'm just saying. No, it's not in of one. It's in of many because I'm 51. I've told a lot of people this. It works. All right. Touche. Well, one of 
the things that I'm most excited about is uh, the Doctrinist returned to their live show as of Friday in San Francisco. The show was unbelievable. The stories were just so human and so real. And I was just like, I don't know if it's just been a minute or the storytellers and the production was just next level, but I was blown away. Our girl Saganash, right? Yeah, yeah. She was on there. Came all the way from Minnesota out to the Bay. Yeah, man, it was just really good for the soul. Um, can I say one more thing before you go to the wood? It's fine. You know, it's only my time, but (laughs) do what you got to (laughs) do. But listen, I just want to say I have been on the hospital service and I'm thinking a lot about turf wars and when people fight over patients Mm. and it just doesn't have to be that way. I feel like most people who work in the hospital, I would like to believe they care about the patients and they want the patients to be okay. And I have just um, had some really great interactions with my colleagues from other teams and other services where together we focus on the true north, which is what's best for the patient and get to something that isn't contentious. Mm -hmm. So if you're a trainee, a medical student or somebody, and you think that you are winning when you block a patient from coming to your service, you are not winning. The only way you, you win is if the patient wins. And if somebody is passing a human being back and forth like a hot potato, that is not cool. Mm, yeah, yeah. Cause we got new trainees starting very soon and like, it's too easy to fall into that habit uh, because you see everybody else doing it. Word. Yeah. Well, I won't say anything else, but what I will say is guess what today is today is a special day. It is a day that everything will go your way because Ashley is on the mic. <laughs> What's the what, sis? Uh, so first of all, you keep setting the bar for these intros. I'm getting <laughs> panic attacks when it's time for you to go on. But thank you. The what for this episode is power. Oh, let me mm-hmm. let me get comfortable. Wait a mm-hmm. minute. All right. All right. <laughs> you adjusted? You ready? I'm adjusted. I'm ready. I'm in my son's gaming chair. You saw he just walked by. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a minute since I thought about this experience. So hopefully I can walk you guys through these, these memories with me. So it actually was around this same time of year, geez, seven years ago when I arrived in the Bay Area to start my residency at UCSF. And I was an intern and my very first rotation as a newly minted doctor was actually a month of outpatient. So I was going to be able to start my residency working in my primary care clinic, which at that time was at our safety net hospital. And so it was my second clinic ever. My first clinic, I had one patient and I ended up sending that patient to the emergency room because I couldn't get her nose to stop bleeding. Oh no. (laughs) Well, you know, as a, as a new intern, um, I was, you know, okay, clinic number two, maybe things can be slightly less chaotic. I also had one patient this clinic afternoon. So I had spent a lot of time preparing because I had actually heard about this patient because they were under the very well-managed care of an outgoing uh, senior resident who was just a well-known superstar in our program. And this resident had actually gone out of their way to tell me about this patient, which isn't always a given, you know, there's like good handoffs between residents and incoming interns, usually in the chart. But this resident had specifically like sought me out to talk about this individual who was relatively sick and needed, you know, some closer monitoring. So on top of the angst that I was feeling from my prior 
clinic day, I was feeling like I had this responsibility to take care of this patient that this resident had intentionally signed out to me. Mm. And so I had spent, like I said, a decent amount of time kind of pre-rounding, trying to prepare myself. So that afternoon I got the notification that the patient had arrived and I'm intentional about using uh, gender neutral language here. Okay. So the medical assistant brought me the intake form, which had the vital signs on there. And just for context, you know, intern clinic is on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> that is, that is terrible. Yeah. It is universally known to be like a very hectic, somewhat stressful day because not only do interns need a little bit more oversight, you know, it's Friday, like things got to get done before the weekend, you know, and especially early on in the year, you know, our medical assistants at that clinic were phenomenal in helping mm-hmm. onboard interns. And so I know that my medical assistant was pretty busy. So when they handed me the intake form and walked out the room, there was no uh, heads up on that blood pressure being as low as it was. Oh, snap. So I'm looking at this number and I was like, okay, that's a little low, but you know, nobody else seems concerned. And again, I was very, very green, like probably greener than most new interns. And so this patient gets roomed and trying to calm my nerves and do all the things like smile, introduce myself. The patient was also non-English speaking. So I was waiting for the interpreter to come on and kind of sitting awkwardly and waiting to start this visit. But as I'm kind of looking at the patient and seeing the numbers. I'm just like, "Eh, something doesn't quite seem right. But, you know, there's so much internal information to process. I'm just trying to like stay calm and kind of get through this visit and look like I know what the hell I'm doing. So the interpreter comes on and I start asking the patient a couple questions how you doing? Like, are you feeling okay? I noticed your blood pressure is a little low. And the immediate response was like, oh, I'm perfectly fine. I just really need you to fill out these forms. That was the most important thing on the agenda. There was nothing else that they wanted to talk about. And it was a set of disability forms. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, of course, knew nothing about disability forms. Like this was not part of the standard medical school curriculum. You know, I had in my mind this agenda that we needed to go through for all these chronic medical conditions I'm supposed to follow up on. But literally all this patient wants to talk about is me filling out this form so that they can go. And so I'm kind of like sweating a little bit, trying to figure out how to navigate the conversation and what to do next. And finally, I was just like, I see that this is really important to you. I'm going to fill out these forms in clinic, but is it okay if I just do a quick exam first? And they were like, sure. So the patient's on the table and I walk up a little bit closer and their skin is this grayish, pale, yellow tinged hue. The whites of their eyes are also yellow. Oh no. The pulse is very thready. And I finally kind of move towards the abdomen and it's rock hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like tense ascites rock heart? Not ascites, but just tense and feelings that normal abdomen shouldn't feel like. Okay. So again, mind you, I am a brand new intern. I've had a medical degree for all of 25 days. Okay. I just stopped the exam and I was just like, you know what? I think I need to get an attending. I need someone who knows more than me. So I gently excused myself 
and speed walked down the hall to the precepting room. And again, like I wasn't quite sure how to, you know, what the protocol was here. Mm-hmm. How was do you it? ring the alarm? Exactly. Everybody's busy. And ironically, it's the same attending that I had precepted with in my previous clinic. And the preceptor was actually, you know, working with another intern. And so I was just like kind of standing there tensely. And the attending was like, okay, like, give me a second. I'm going to get right to you. So I just sit down. And oh my God. <laughs> kind of wringing my hands. And finally the attending finishes up and she's like, okay, like what's going on? I was like, I think this patient is very sick. And I think we just need to go to the room. And the attending is like, Lord, again. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so scared. I'm, I'm I'm with you walking down the hall and I'm so scared. Yeah. So get to the room. And with the attending, it's just like immediate. This patient needs to be hospitalized like yesterday. So the patient actually went straight to the ICU and to the OR. Second day in clinic. (laughs) Welcome to San Francisco General. Granted, this is not an everyday occurrence, but thankfully that patient ended up fine for that acute hospitalization. Um, This patient in particular, I can tell stories about, you know, for a couple episodes because this patient was incredibly impactful. And I learned so much from this individual and their family. But what I was kind of honing in on today was circling back to those disability forms, Mm. particularly because I've had a couple of forms piling up in my physical mailbox at the VA. And it is just like kind of soul wrenching Mm. because, you know, as a primary care doctor, you know, you get a finite amount of time to see patients and then, you know, a finite amount of administrative time to finish notes, to follow up consults, to look at labs, to call folks back, respond to messages. And filling out forms, particularly when it comes to disability, is like, you know, it it takes time. The process is a little nebulous. And to be honest, like I'm very frustrated and annoyed when I have to do disability forms. But I always circle back to this story because I think about the fact that me in my 20s with a medical degree, had the power to determine, you know, whether the lights stay on and food stays on the table for this individual Mm. who I know did not feel good, but just really wanted to make sure that this one thing got done. Mm. And I also think about the fact that like this individual didn't call ahead. They waited for this appointment, Mm. you know, honestly, as bad as that infection was like this person likely could have been dead within 24 to 48 hours. They were in septic shock sitting in the clinic asking me to fill out disability forms. And saying that was the main thing that mattered. Exactly. So to put it lightly, that's a lot of power that we hold as physicians. I mean, among other things, and there's a lot to be said about the the disability service, and I'm not trying to get into the nuances, but also it's not something that we talk about, you know, just really sitting with the weight of that responsibility Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is not something that we really do you know, it's just forms are forms and forms take time. And therefore it's time that you're not getting paid. And that's annoying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. real. I mean, I, I think that there is another side of the complicated that we don't ever have to think about, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I'm talking to my teams on the hospital service, I'll say, you know, if Simone Biles wants the gold medal, she can't just turn on the balance beam perfectly. She's got to stick the landing. And I think the paperwork, like disability paperwork, home health forms, um, home PT, all that stuff, 
those are stick the landing things. Mm -hmm. And that is really where primary care comes in. And, you know, it's so interesting to watch us wax poetic all about the evidence-based management of whatever medical problem only to drop the ball on the part where somebody needs to stick the landing. Yeah. That is such a big deal. Yeah. It is such a big deal. And I mean, Ash, since my loved one has been, you know, going through the things that they've been going through, I have really come to appreciate far more the the other side of the complicated and and what it takes for people to stick a landing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially like entering the physician workforce. I mean, of course, we know that residency breaks you down in, in many a different ways and will stretch your humanity or what's left of it to the to the brink. But, you know, it's just so important to remember, like the vast majority of us, especially in the early stages, like we'll never have to think about how you're going to get income or whether your body will allow you to do the job that you trained for or that you, you know, want to do and to think about what it means to risk your life (laughs) over ensuring that there's a source of income for you and your family. You know, it says a lot about our society, but particularly about the weight, again, of the responsibility and the privilege of this work that we do. And how we underestimate just how much power we have, you know, Mm -hmm. I wish I could say that I was just so mature always that when things like, (laughs) no, (laughs) where paperwork comes to me that I'm not like, but I do think that after you live a little bit longer and you experience some things, you start to realize, you know, this little thing that takes me five extra minutes is literally like life or death for somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a really, really big deal. This could be somebody continuing to improve or not. And that is a lot of power to have. Yeah. So I'm going to grab the stack of forms that's been uh, sitting mm-hmm. <laughs> in my desk. I might groan internally, but you know, I'm going to get yeah. some coffee and, and power through it because I've been uniquely humbled by that experience. And I need to carry that with me because you know, how easy it is to get sucked up in the culture of indifference. And we take so much for granted. I mean, because the other thing is that, you know, if you're a person, and I'm not saying this for all people, but a lot of people who've made it to medical school and through medical school and through a residency program, they probably have some shred of support from their family. Mm -hmm. I do know of people who don't. Yeah. But the vast majority do. In fact, we know the data tells us that a lot of people who are medical doctors got somebody in their family who's a medical doctor, or at least is a college educated healthcare worker. Right. Mm -hmm. So as, as I, as I think about um, right before we got on the record, I was on my email and I was getting these home health forms and things to sign from somebody who was on my hospital service three months ago. And I started, I really, really started to email back the visiting nurse and say, I am not this patient's primary doctor. I can't be the person you keep sending these forms to, you know, Mm -hmm. but then I sat there for a moment and I said, let me just look really quick through the electronic medical record and see who this patient's primary doctor is. This is a patient who was a high utilizer through the emergency department um, and really never got a chance um, to to establish with anybody. Mm -hmm. And the closest they can get to somebody who will respond is me because they know me. (laughs) I'm like... (laughs) And my very first thought was, you know, to be an asshole and be like, I, it, it's not me. It's not my problem. 
but it's back to that hot potato thing because yep. literally what you were asking me, it takes nothing of me. You were asking me to docu-sign something that says this person can keep having some PT and some home health. And I know the patient that has been three months and I would like the patient to establish with a primary who ain't me, but mm-hmm. what if I just keep hot potatoing it and pushing you away Yeah, and then you get deconditioned and then you do worse and, and, and probably I wouldn't even know, which is super sad. Yeah, I had the power all along to just order your home health. Yes. We are really fortunate to get to do this work. And for every single thing we do is connected to human beings and we are human beings, right? So mm-hmm. to be clear for our wellness, yeah, it, it is a, a threat to my wellness for you to keep sending me a whole bunch of random emails from visiting nurse association. Shout out to y'all. I mean, thank you for what y'all do, but multiply that patient times 20 different people and then multiply all my ward months and I'm mm-hmm. getting these all the time that gets to add up. Yeah. But for some reason, it feels less oppressive to me if I can just take a minute to think about what would it mean if I just don't do anything? I can do one of two things. I can either look and see who might the primary be or if it's something really minor, Mm -hmm. just sign it. Stop being an asshole. (laughs) Stop being an asshole. Should that be the title of the episode? You know, that should be the title of everything in life. (laughs) Like half the world's problems would be solved if people just had something that popped up that said, don't be an asshole Mm. right before they get ready to talk, right before they get ready to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have started to let some profanity trickle into our podcast. So yeah, it could be don't be an asshole. Perfect. Well, Apple hasn't uh, (laughs) sent me a warning notification yet. So so we'll see. I might think of some alternatives though. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, sis. I really do appreciate you giving us something to reflect about. And like we already said, you know, there's a, a really big responsibility given to us in getting to be doctors. And I think it's good to slow down and think about how to use that power judiciously. Yes. All, All right. right, sis. Love you much. Love you too. Holla. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.